Karibu Chai. All over the world. where your voice can be heard connect with us so lockdown is now a real thing curfews working from home social distancing wearing masks gloves when we go out grocery shopping rush eating for those that have kids at home all of this is becoming the norm. How are you, sisters, coping? Check out, tell us how you're coping. Gosh, it's, it has not been easy. And I think it's, uh, it will never be easy because this is the first time we're experiencing working from home. And then all of a sudden, I think I do have a full-time job. And I was used to going to the office uh, in the morning and coming back home in the evening. So in between, um, I'm not at home. But now I just realized I have to multitask, uh, do my full-time job from home. But then uh, my son is around. His school also requires him to, to do online distance learning. I have to help him as well. I thought uh, over the weekends I would have some time to myself and rest. But no, we st- I still have to be a teacher. I have to be a Quran teacher for my son because also he's unable to go to, to the weekend Quran uh, classes. And of course, those also are online. So I realized um, I'm working uh, full time Monday to Monday. Uh, trying to manage the different parts of my life and that has not been easy however i did find some ways to kind of release the the stress a little bit since also me and my other sisters are also uh, working from home we managed to do a zoom chat uh, once every week at least which was not we were used to having hanging out on on chats or whatsapp but now we're able to do to see each other on on zoom and we kind of uh, maintain that once a week uh, that has been really useful for me to kind of release some stress and catching up. Uh, and then I found this online, um, you know, a lot of people have been providing online support. And then I bumped into this, I love dancing. So there's one uh, platform that does Bollywood uh, dance classes and I joined. And uh, so every morning I spend 40 minutes or so dancing to some people, trainers in the U.S., which has never been pro- probably possible before. So I dance quite a bit, release the stress before I get into my nine, uh, my, uh, know my, my job and do the multiple roles that I have. And also, I think the other thing, I, I do enjoy cooking. So I find myself whenever I have a bit of time, I watch cooking shows. And that also has been distressing a bit. So yes, although it has been really challenging, but we are finding ways how to cope as well as addressing the different parts of our lives. So, Dada Wakili, what about you? So, <laughs> can I join your class? <laughs> I want to shake really, my worries. It is really fun. You should try it. I I think we need more information on this dance class. Like, For you can sure. add like, dancing and not sharing this information. Come Gosh, on. Gosh, if, if you love uh, Bollywood dances, so they have this really latest songs and you dance to it you have a teacher in front of you so i use my laptop 
uh, it's so fun. And I get my son sometimes to join and we laugh and we, we jump up and down. So it's exercising, but also really uh, good for putting you into the mood and you forget about we are in the COVID era. So I do recommend everybody to join. That's a great way to cope. Great way to cope. You're getting your exercise in. That's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, so I'm signing up. That's the first thing. Um, so for me, I think that Acheka and I have similar kind of challenges, uh, but I think mine are amped up like by four. Because <laughs> like all my kids are on online learning from the oldest to the youngest. I think uh, our challenges have been finding enough devices to go around. You know, you're kind of uh, playing musical chairs with all the computers and the iPads and stuff like that. What time's your class? What time's your class? So it's been an interesting experience. Experience. And then there was obviously the fact that I have to have Zoom meetings with the institutions that are, we are running as a family. And then there's also family that, you know, needs obviously the attention. I think for me, the most interesting experience was having my children crash a mediation session. Oh my God. So you kind of just balance in between, you know, I just told them about the confidentiality <laughs> part of mediation. Nobody's going to know about your struggles and my kids just crash into this whole thing. <laughs> and it's just funny. I think um, they were very understanding, thank God. And so I think what I learned from that particular experience I am a very controlled environment person. So people see me in, they don't see different parts of me. They see the part that I want them to see. So people theoretically know that I'm a mom or maybe a wife or whatever, but it doesn't come into their space, right? So it's having to deal with that. That was an interesting experience for me. And having to not scream at them when people are watching. <laughs> no, I just like, get out of here! <laughs> funny how this COVID situation has opened up those spaces in our lives, right? You no longer can just say, bring your professional self to the table. Well, guess what? My professional space is my kitchen where my kids are having breakfast. And I'm not about to tell my four-year-old to, shh, because they're not. But anyway, I could imagine the four, one, the three young ones coming in and um, yeah. Yeah. making their presence felt. For sure. And they came in like, you know, one at a time. So it's not like you could chase one and then they were all like walking in at the same time. And people were like, ah, these are your children. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, now enough is enough, children. Leave now. So, you know, you can't go all mommy crazy on them because your clients would be like, oh my God, she's psycho. I can't deal with this person. So I had to, I've learned to be patient and allow my children to participate in my spaces and, you know, have that dialogue with them, uh, which you never do normally. I don't think it's a natural thing to have that kind of dialogue. You know, mommy's working now, so can you give me some time? And even when mom, they walk into the space, you have to be like, well, uh, please give me a moment. And then you turn around and you have a conversation with them. So that was an interesting experience for me. I think this, uh, you know, COVID experience also from a marital perspective, you know, dealing with the tensions in the home is also something very interesting because um, 
none of you are equipped to teach your children um, until people make those decisions. And we didn't make the decision. COVID made the decision for us to be parents. And so my husband and I have been, uh, you know, you have to try and kind of negotiate around uh, your spouse uh, and their style of teaching. Uh, you, I have different style. My husband has a totally different style. And so it was kind of uh, doing that not in front of the children. Uh, because then they become really clever because then they, what they do is just like, ah, they discover the parents are arguing. So they switch off and they leave and you don't realize their children have left the online class because you guys are negotiating this conversation. And so you have to learn to be a cohesive group, a cohesive uh, front in front of your children. And that actually puts you in a space where you have to have to do that. That's what I had to do. And so part of the coping is actually having a conversation about styles and how you engage as a couple with teaching uh, your children. I think for me, coping has been the fact that uh, we've been forced to, to really negotiate positions as a couple, but also as a family. So I'm finding my brother who's in Paris can actually participate in the business more, which is very interesting. When he was... Uh, out there and we were dealing with the business, uh, he didn't participate much, but now Zoom is giving us an opportunity to do that. Then we're able to, so for me anyway, at the end of the day, I think coping means learning to cooperate and work together, if that's how I would describe it, because that's something I've not ever had to do. It's generally my way and all the highway. So yeah, so with me, I've learned how to cooperate. And that's what's helped me uh, cope. Uh, oh, do we know that's the highway? Or uh, How do we all know that very well? An opinion about that. Mm. It's interesting. We all are learning sides about ourselves. So I had the experience of traveling just before the world closed, shut down. And I'm, my trip was shortened by about six days because we arrived um for work and for uh, you know other things and within four days i got a call because i had a we have a mutual we all have our mutual sister who works in the public health space and told me yeah we need to leave because they're going to close the country and we don't want to be stuck here we'd rather be back home and uh a day later my my father called and he was like um yeah i'm not guaranteeing you're going to be able to leave after saturday so you need to leave now so anyway i did um and came and went into self-quarantine because i you know just to be responsible and to make sure that we were not going to make anybody sick if we were sick but alhamdulillah uh, we were not and i think for me quarantine was interesting because i quarantined at a friend's house and i was by myself so it was interesting to be by yourself in your own country usually you're by yourself outside your own country and everybody i got the phone call from everybody saying oh my gosh you're such an extrovert how are you going to survive this and i was like you have no idea what uh, survival looks like but now I had people call me I had people video call me I had people check in people would drive by and drop groceries and stuff my sisters all of you so incredible but then I also had the opportunity to read because now it was about collecting all the books that we've been collecting over the years now there was time to read them right and so I found myself reading more and more and obviously uh, good old Netflix but Can you share some of the titles of uh, books that you read? 
So two books that I read while I was in quarantine, I mean, I was reading a bit of everything, but two books that I did read, one was What I Know For Sure by Oprah Winfrey. And Oprah's lovely. We all grew up with her. And so just having her put her aha moments in book form was wonderful. But also just the simplicity and be like, how do we not know this? I mean, you know it, but I love the way she articulates it. Her whole book, everything she talks about is what she's known for, which is compassion, kindness, your purpose. She's very, very big on purpose. And that came out throughout her book. And just keeping yourself open to those experiences. She talks about health and how it was important for her to grow her own food and feed those she loves from what she's grown. I didn't know she had an avocado farm in Maui. But uh, yeah, she has an avocado farm in Maui. And that's a fun fact. She struggles with her own avocados because she says, I cannot fathom paying the prices of avocados during her various trips. I found that quite interesting. Yeah. But you know, avocados are super pricey um, out there for us Kenyans. You know, actually, I read a report that I think we are the highest exporting country when it comes to avocados in Africa. I would imagine because we... We're so lucky. Like, we almost take it for granted, right? Like, I, when people say, oh, my gosh, I'm like, it's that exotic? We, we have it all the time, you know? You realize. But, yeah, so that was one book I read. And then the other book I read was Brené Brown's book on Daring Greatly, um, How to Be Vulnerable so that we're better parents, partners, and leaders. And those of you who know me, and no, I don't do that too well. But so I'm still struggling through the book, by the way. It's not over. I read a little bit of it and then I go and I'm like, mm, don't know about that. But, you know, it's truths that are there that will take a bit of time. But um, yeah, no, I, I got to do what I've always loved to do, which for me is reading. But uh, somehow life happens. And um, so I didn't do as much as I wanted. And then obviously, once I got out of quarantine and came back home to my family, we then entered, uh, started to get into the Ramadan period. And um, just being home with my family was incredible because of the such, the, the nature of the lives we lead, which is for us a lot of travel and not being there as much. I got to see like my parents in their routine, you know, you're there with them in the morning, you're with them in the evening. I get to have a lot of conversations with my dad now. So I get to hear a lot of the stories of when he was much younger. I don't know if I'd have this with the kind of travel and the busy lifestyles we all did. So I'm coping for me at this moment is nothing but gratitude. It's experiencing things that maybe I wouldn't have valued as much because I didn't have the time or told myself I didn't have the time. I'm also getting to spend more time with my nieces because I get to be there. I'm not speaking to them on a like um, FaceTime or WhatsApp video call. And we all know that, you know, my wedding was supposed to happen. And now what this has given me is the ability to spend more time just getting to know the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with and also having those conversations and seeing each other in what is a difficult circumstance, right? Yes. So why that's really important, Batuta, is for you to be able to explain what you just said. Because a lot of our listeners maybe are going, what? She married someone she doesn't know? What's going on here? So (laughs) I think uh, it's important to get a bit of uh, 
Okay. No, I hear what you're saying. What yeah, mean? to get to know my fiance a bit more. No, I think what what because everything was building up to the wedding. So conversation central around obviously our lives, but also centered around the experience of the wedding, right? But now that that is temporarily on hold and going through that process and what it would look like, now it's about, yeah, the actualities of certain things and also understanding his schedule and understanding that, yes, oh gosh, how many people did you treat today that were experienced, that uh, have been affected by this virus? And what does it mean for you? And are you okay? And what's the coping mechanism in uh, European context as opposed to us? And I find this very interesting that for them, social distancing was never a challenge. Whereas for us, you can see like when we go out, people are like, I can't shake your hands. I can't hug you. Like it's it's such a reality to our cultural context, you know? And for those of us who are huggers and touchers and just people oriented, it's it's really hard. So so I think, yeah, you're right, Wakili. It's about sharing with our listeners that although certain things are on hold. The blessing here or the silver lining in this circumstance is appreciating the every day, the every moment, the connections we have. For me, it's um, preparing myself to a new life in a new country and in a new environment. And also just, you know, now that we're fasting Ramadan, it's also just appreciating that, gosh, my, my our hours are a lot less. Theirs is a lot longer. And just experiencing and being grateful for that and saying, gosh, you know, that what a blessing. So I think that's what, for me, uh, coping has been like, so to speak. I, I think I just wanted to comment one thing about being gratitude. I think also for me, uh, this time around is, is just, it has given me, although I've been really busy and managing the different parts of my life, it's, it's an opportunity to reflect what are the things that you're really grateful for. One for me was my job requires a lot of travel, so I'm always in and out of uh, airports. Uh, for the last two and a half months, I've been kind of stationed in my house. Now I can actually see. I feel physically that I've, I, I'm, I feel better just because um, I've not been jumping into one flight to another. Though, though the work has increased because I'm doing everything remotely, but... The gratitude for me is being able to rest in one place for at least two months and then counting the different, the small things that we usually don't see, uh, flowers or plants in the house or something like that. So, yeah, I really wanted to add that as being the, the gratitude of what this comes with. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Dr. Wakanda and Baby D, what are you guys up to? How have you been coping? Coping is is a very strong word. I feel that for my situation, I have been in quarantine since last year, November. My baby was born prematurely, about 11 weeks early. So we've spent the first two months of his life in hospital. And we were planning this great reveal, like in, you know, in February, March, my friends would be able to come over and visit. And, you know, we take these beautiful long walks with the baby. You know, all these things that you imagine when you're pregnant. And also comparing to my previous pregnancy. So just like, oh, you know, life is just going to be good. Sitting in cafes and, you know, just what you do when you're in maternity leave. And suddenly you find yourself confined around four walls, uh, not getting enough visitors. 
So you didn't, you can't really show the baby to a lot of people. You can't not people can't come and celebrate the baby. So it's been a lot of quarantine in that sense. So we've been really coping and not coping, if you say. But what Bin Batuta was talking about gratitude. Yeah, so really trying to wake up every morning and, and be thankful for being around. Because as mentioned, most of us were traveling a lot, not spending a lot of time with our family. So this has given us the time to really be around, reflect on the things that are really important. But at the same time, the things that you miss, you know, and having lived in Europe, you know, I'm just used to putting the baby in like a, a stroller and just going out and, and being quite independent. So I feel like that has been taken away from me where I have to really think about the curfew hours, getting everything I need within these few hours that are located during the day. And even something as basic as getting the baby vaccinated, you know, just like I'm having to put that off till when my pediatrician gets back. So for me, there's been a lot of what negotiation. Like you can't vaccinate baby D? No, because the, the doctor is more worried about corona spreading than the baby actually getting the rotavirus vaccine or the pneumonia vaccine, which he was scheduled for. So he just called and he was just like, yeah, I'm closed. And I was just like, okay, so what's plan B? He's like, there's no plan B. Stay at home. Still. It's not that serious. So it's like a lot of things are being renegotiated and, you know, there's a new norm with what we have to do now. It's like, okay, vaccines were, were very important a couple of months ago, but now they come second to everything that has to do with corona. Because so Dr. Wakanda, as uh, like a sociologist uh, and anthropologist, like this must be really fascinating for you. How are you processing this idea of reassessment of uh, priorities and what's important, what's valuable, you know, from an academic point of view, obviously? Yeah, obviously, one of the things that keeps me going is the whole re- I'm evaluating everything that's going around us, like how this disease is being treated, how it's creating new categories, like it's dividing the society. So for me, how I'm, I'm actually thinking about, you know, writing, not right now, obviously, but thinking about writing a lot and just sharing all this knowledge about, you know, how I see the society creating new ways of social, socializing with each other, uh, like having neighborhood parties where everybody just stands in the balcony or even how, you know, you get, you have to have money to get tested. Something as simple as getting tested. So instead of going really deep into like the theories and academic terminologies, I find it quite fascinating. And I cannot wait to get back on my computer and just start writing and researching about this. Maybe that's a bit, uh, you can say a bit uh, selfish, but I see a lot of huge research potential in the future. <laughs> for my type of work absolutely i imagine my how are you coping you know i'm still digesting what this means but psychologically i think initially i felt some cabin fever and it happened to me quite early and again similar to the rest of you we were you know on a plane every couple of weeks or at least we knew of travel plans uh, well in advance and so forth so psychologically we were always you know our bags almost always have packed and now to hear that, you know, borders are closed and to an extreme case here where our lockdown actually started much, much earlier, but it was tapered down. And we've only just come out of now an extreme two week lockdown where 
in order to leave, we actually needed to get permission um, with the authorities and it was for a very limited time, i.e., you know, not more than an hour. And then what they did towards the last week was it was only, we were permitted to leave only every third day, unless you were an essential worker and had the permission to, uh, to actually work. So for me, I think psychologically, um, you know, the cabin fever really, really hit me, despite, you know, I, I mean, I enjoy being at home um, and that's never been a, a problem really. It's obviously affected work, but I think it's also thrown in some interesting challenges where we've had to really put on our, our innovative thinking caps, uh, which, you know, with some of the projects, we've been fairly successful. And I'm actually excited about the, uh, the innovative component that's come out of this. Another thing that, that made me anxious, I mean, you know, sitting in the middle of a desert, we don't really grow much of our own food we import a lot of what we eat here. So I was a little bit concerned about whether we should indeed look at overstocking or be prepared for the potential worst. But it's very interesting. We, we never had that rush in the supermarket. You know, the authorities here assured us that, you know, they did have enough supplies and that shouldn't even be a concern. So, you know, it was a moment passing and, you know, now we're fine. I mean, we, we, we shop really for just what we need. Um, but because of the restrictions of, you know, the sort of every other day where we could go and buy stuff, you know, to be fair, we are sort of stocking up a little bit more, but not as I initially anticipated potentially. And then um, from a personal extension of that, you know, my, my, my husband is a is essential worker, he's in the medical field. So he, he goes to work every day. And, you know, I'm obviously a very, very concerned for him. And every day he comes back, it's, it's a whole um, uh, experience where we've got to sort of spray him down and <laughs> he's got to literally almost uh, undress at the door and it's straight to shower and then he can engage with the family. <laughs> so yeah, we're just, you know, taking, taking as, as many precautionary measures at this time. But what I find is that establishing a routine um, has really helped me and help the family and it also allows us to feel that we are indeed being productive and not allowing ourselves to to overindulge with you know the media and so forth and then also identifying causes that we want to support i feel that this as a family has really boosted our our well-being and now i definitely will be taking on dada checkers dance classes <laughs> um maya if you could also remember how we you got us to rally behind the making of the masks in Kenya because we realized that, well, here it's law. You have to cover your face and there weren't enough masks and just getting that. So you want to maybe just... Sure, sure. So, you know, I mean, being away from home, um, having, you know, deep ties to, to, to Kenya, as you all know, I felt a sense of, of loss because I wasn't on the ground, I couldn't physically do anything. And I don't know if, if I was there physically, I could, you know, go out and, and, and sort of lend a supporting hand. But I, I felt even more, more in need to, to do something. And listening to how other countries were, were sort of combating um, the virus or dealing with these things, I came across actually a, a campaign that was done in, uh, in Prague very, very successfully, where the entire community rallied together to make homemade masks. And that's when I thought, you know what, this is something that we can look to do. I mean, you know, we look after uh, an orphanage in Kibera. We've got over 500 kids. That's a little, a little community just right there. And then also the community surrounding um, uh, the, the orphanage. Uh, we realized that, you know, 
sanitation and masks are things that everybody will require uh, this and the access and the cost will be a huge challenge. So what I did is I found a local tailor um, who was able to rally a group. And because we did this very, very early on, we were lucky to actually get materials um, and start that process before the fabric costs went up, which I, I found quite sad because when we went back for our last batch, um, so now I think we've done just over 5,000 masks, but when we went for our last batch, it actually took us uh, some time to get the same fabric at a decent cost. Um, but, you know, it was a, I think it was a, it was, it was a good uh, campaign that we were able to, to all chip in. And, you know, thank you all who, uh, you know, who participated. So, yeah, that was our campaign, our little bit. Yes, yeah, just, to add, uh, just to add something, um, it's interesting how in times of, of sadness um, or as times of difficulty, uh, people rally together to do good. And it's interesting how certain actions of certain people can inspire others. And so just to say, you know, you also inspired others to do what you were doing, which is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's, I agree. And, and, and I agree. So, yeah, so Maya, you inspired people to do what it is you're doing. Uh, there's another group that also did what you're doing. Uh, they identified um, some uh, tailors and were able to do that. But all that just came from one idea from one person, which is, I mean, amazing, right? And uh, just that inspiration, but also the idea of doing for other people who have less is a coping mechanism, you know, uh, helping others while you yourself are helpless is a coping mechanism. And I found that a very important mechanism to um, help cope uh, with what it is uh, we are currently going through. So thanks for the inspiration. And yes, just to let you know that that inspiration inspired others to do good. Thank you. Absolutely. And I think it's been a fantastic conversation, my sisters. As always, we want to just say thank you to our listeners and thank you to our supporters and people who are part of our conversations out there. And we would love, love to hear from you and know how you are coping in these times of COVID-19 and what are you doing to make a difference in your community. So please share your thoughts, comments, conversations with us on our Facebook and Instagram page under Chai with Sisters. We would love to engage with you. And remember, what has come out of these conversations is we need to do more. So go be kind and be more compassionate and let that be our call to action. So till next time, thank you and we'll see you soon. All over the world.